these guys are trailblazers into the terror of night, huntsmen hiding from the hates, collectors of coon hunting creepiness. We got the houndstooth mafia. Those eyes was wide apart as a hammerhead, and they were blood red and glowing. And you hear about three strides on all four, and then you shoot it back up, coming by me down there. And these dogs were in this fog, and they were jumping up in the air, like trying to grab something that wasn't there. They had something surrounded. We walk across this little clearing, and as soon as we get to the other side of the clearing, there was a damn old Civil War graveyard. I still got the, the feeling of the fear in my body that night. You're listening to Coon Hunting Confidentials with Daniel, Dustin, and Ryan. We look for coon hunting stories from all over the place that include cryptids, the paranormal, and a whole hell of crazy. So join us every other week as we explore into the crazy and the confidential side of coon hunting. It scared the living hell out of me. Yo, what's going on, everybody? I want to welcome y'all to another episode of Coon Hunting Confidentials on the Houndstooth Podcast Network. I'm joined today with Ryan James. Yo. Old Dusty Poo. He, he couldn't make it. But we're recording this intro on Friday, and we stayed up pretty late recording uh, with Appalachian Intelligence last night, and the then night the night before, before that. that, we recorded with... Uh, Shane Jones with the inquiries of our reality, and uh, I'm feeling a little under the weather. I'm I'm struggling, but I sent them all sent Ryan a message, Dustin. Hey, man, we gotta record this intro. I'm struggling, but we're gonna be short and sweet and to the point. I reckon. Short and sweet, man. Um, this special this episode is being sponsored by Havoc Hunt Supply, so we gotta. We got a giveaway we're going to do. We got some stuff at the Grand American we've been holding on to. Oh, dude, I forgot all about that stuff. Yep. We've been holding on for the right time. And I'm like, now's the yeah, right I bet time. They've been wondering <laughs> what the hell's going on here. So we got a, um, it's not a competition pack, but it kind of is because it fits through your belt. But you got like, it's a, a Havoc pack. You got your place for your Garmin, your um, drink. I ain't even seen that, to be honest with you. Whatever. You can put whatever you want to. What I got to do to win it? What you got to do to win it? Yeah. Share this episode. Okay. Share this episode. Tag us in it. Tag me, Dustin, or Ryan. Well, actually, tag me or Dustin because Ryan don't want to be fooled. Don't tag Ryan. You won't win if you tag Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody will never know you tagged him. (laughs) I might would see it. I don't know. But anyway... We got that, that little, that like competition type pack. Uh, I have it, Coon Squaller. It's got a, uh, it's got pine cone inside of, inside that epoxy, whatever that stuff's called. And we'll blow our spit all inside of it if you want us to. Be <laughs> sentimental to you. 
Um, what else? A Havoc hat. Anyway, share the episode. If you don't know exactly which platform you, whatever platform you look or uh, listen to the episodes on, all of them should have like this uh, little, I don't know, it's like a sideways V, but it's got like a circle on both of the ends and at the bottom side of the V. That's like what you press to share it. You can share it on whatever social media, but do Facebook. That's the only one I really pay attention to is Facebook. You heard. Word. Well, dude, like I said, we're going to be short and sweet doing this intro. I said, I feel like crap. Ryan said he don't feel the best in the world. Nah. Did you work today? I did work today. I tried to work today. I closed the store early because I couldn't take no more. I had to put a note on the door, and I'm I was struggling. I'm struggling now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. My dog on head's thumping. My body's aching. He's dying. You need some <clears throat> ivermectin? That would be a good idea. I, I do want to do that. I'm about to go on a parasite cleanse. I don't know exactly if I'm going to take, like, well, I can cleanse you because I got the remedy. I don't know if I'm going to do panicure or Ivermec. It cleansed the f- out of me. About 30 pounds worth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need to lose 30 pounds, but I don't need to. I'm not planning on ODing on that stuff either. I wouldn't either. Just kind of happened. Well, dude, this episode is kind of long with this uh, with Justin. Ryan and Lance wasn't able to make it last night. They all had some stuff going on. and uh, Outside the coon hunt world, they're probably my favorite podcasting people to talk to. They're one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. I like talking to them. I hate we didn't get a chance to talk to Ryan and Lance, but Ryan just moved down here to our neck of the woods, moved down toward Charleston, and I think they're still getting settled in, and his Wi-Fi is not working, was not working quite right. Oh, man. Well, dude, I don't want to bore these people any any longer with our pointless rambling, I reckon. I don't really know. We short and sweeted the hell out of them. We got them this time. It's short and sweet. But we got about an hour and a half. And, man, we talk about everything and all kind of stuff in this. We talk coon hunting. We talk my bizarre coon hunting encounter with my hunting with my brother-in-law a few years ago and a little mention of some granny witching here and there. Yep, that. And... Hot dang, boy. We talk about Dracula, vampires. Shit. We talk about the John Swift silver mine. There's all kind of stuff we talk about in this. Chief Cornstalk. Chief Cornstalk. Uh, Chief Cornstalk's daughter. Ugh, both of them. All kind of stuff. But, uh, man, we hope y'all enjoy this. And remember... Share it. Tag us in it. Let us know you shared it. Spread the word. Keep them five-star Apple reviews coming in. And uh, keep showing the love. Go over to Appalachian Intelligence. If you haven't been over there, check them out. Give them a five-star. Just go ahead and rate it. Five-star right off the rip before you even check them out because I promise you're going to like them. And uh, And that's how we'll do that. trying to think, is there anything else? My mind's in a fog right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no uh, Go over there Go to Havoc Hunt Supply Check out their stuff Buy some stuff Remember that Havoc promo code is They'll buy me some stuff And send it to me 
<laughs> if you need his address, just holler at him. He'll give it to you. But remember, that promo code is HAVOC10. Enter that promo code. Get some money off your purchase. Help us out. Help you out. We help each other out. Help the dogs out. You know, there's a whole lot of... Uh, there's a lot of hunting supplies out there. You get on social media, you'll see hunting supply this, you'll see hunt supply all over the place. And I'm not gonna say one's better than the other, but Habit Hunting Supply, they got a banging logo. They get the stuff out fast. Their prices are good. They got all kind of stuff. Water bowls, all kind of good stuff. All kind of good stuff. You don't even need stuff for coon hunting. They got stuff if you wanna go squatch it. You can get you a Badass lights and waders. Lights, waders. Depending on how deep you're planning on trekking into the bushes. Hell, they probably sell whomping sticks in case something tries to get you. Thermals. Thermals? Thermals. You want, you want a thermal, you want to go find Sasquatch and you need a thermal, hit up Havoc Hunt Supply because I promise they got what you're looking for. Or uh, tracking systems, garments, all that good mess. But anyway... I hope y'all enjoyed this episode with us and Appalachian Intelligence. And until next time, y'all keep them dogs in the woods and happy hunting, y'all. to be able to introduce these people on uh well one out of the three anyway on coon hunting confidentials it's uh from one of my favorite podcasts that i listen to uh just about every sunday night when i get off work their new episode comes out that monday about usually gets my phone hit spotify about twelve fifteen, and that appalachian intelligence releasing banger after banger week after week and we got justin in the house well actually he's on the the computer talking with us right now. That's close enough. Yeah. Feels like he's sitting right well. in front of us. Might as well be in the house. Might as well be in the house. Might as well be across the table. Boys, it's good to be back talking with y'all. Uh, you know, we had a blast, an absolute blast a few months ago when y'all came over on our show. Uh, again, I appreciate you guys for jumping over there and hanging out with us for it, sharing some stories, sharing some uh, – some weird encounters in the woods when y'all was coon hunting times. And it was a popular episode, man. There's a whole lot of dudes, other shows that were reaching out being like, Hey, I got to talk to these guys. You know, Justin and Jay from Cryptids of the Corn, they reached out pretty, pretty quick, you know, soon after. And was like, you know, I need, I need their number. I need their contact. We got to talk to this. But, you know, that's what it's about, man. It's about coming together and hanging out with each other. And just like we say all the time over on Appalachian Intelligence, it's, it's all about building a tribe. That's right. Building a tribe. So, uh, you get yourself a few good pals and you got yourself a tribe, Chavez. <laughs> <laughs> we your tribe now, Chavez. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, uh, Ryan and Lance, they're not going to be able to join with us tonight. I was hoping they was going to be able to hop on, but Ryan just moved down here toward our neck of the woods, and 
He was telling us Lance got uh, scheduled a they scheduled a track meet because he's a he's a school teacher. Does he coach or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he teaches, he coaches. Uh, Lance has got his hands into a little bit of everything. He stays super busy. Um, you know, it's hard a lot of times for us. You know, the three of us just to come together and, and get stuff recorded and, and get stuff going on for the show. But, you know, it's one of those things. That's the good thing about having three hosts, as as y'all well know. You can always kind of keep the train rolling because, you know, hopefully somebody is going to be available to jump on and talk. And, you know, if, if it's just me, you're not going to get Ryan's quippy one-liner. So I apologize for that. You're not going to get Lance's uh, extremely eloquent sitting back and thinking and his diatribes on all the junk that's been said in the last few minutes beforehand. But you're getting the craziest of AI. So, you know, congratulations, I guess. Hey, we'll take it. It's awesome to have you come on and uh, share a little, spend a little time with us. So, um, I appreciate it, man. You know, I reached out to you a, a while back and talked to you. And, but before we get into all of that, you know, of why, you know, I, I threw the idea of the swap cast to you and what we was, you know, what, we we're going to talk what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, but uh, just take the time and you know talk about yourself, your show. Just introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, some of you uh, coon hunting confidential listeners. Hopefully, you checked these guys out when they came over on our show, and hopefully, you stuck around and listened to a little bit of us then. But if not, uh, if this is your first time hearing about us and our show. Uh, my name's Justin. I have two other co-hosts, Lance and Ryan. Um, we talk a whole lot of we talk a whole lot of stuff about the weird, you know, paranormal, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, um, alt history, conspiracy. Um, if it's if it's weird and interesting and it, and it piques our interest, then there's a good chance we're probably going to talk about it. Um, I guess I should say the name of the show. We've said it a couple of times. The name of the show is AI Appalachian Intelligence. Uh, you can check us out on any main podcatcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check us out over on YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe to our channel over there. You can check us out on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Jump in over on our Discord. Uh, we have a Patreon that you can check out. Um we're all over the place. You can you can find us. You go type in Appalachian Intelligence in 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 the old Google machine, and we'll pop up all over the place. But we just like to talk about the weird. We like to bring on a lot of guests, um, you know, authors, researchers, other content creators, podcasters, you know, people that that dive in and talk about some of the the same weird stuff that we do. Um, but we. You know, we talk about a lot of places, but we really like to focus on Appalachia. You know, that's that's where we live. That's where we are in central Appalachia. You know, we're in southwestern Virginia, right along the border of, of Kentucky, Tennessee, and West Virginia, you know, right in that corner. Um, so there's a lot of weird here. So we don't we don't have to stray too far a whole lot of the time. You know, we uh we have plenty enough weird here to talk about. And the more we do this, the more we go along, the more weird we find. So I encourage everybody out there, check out your backyards, because I promise there's going to be uh, some stuff to find. Yeah, I believe that. There's, if you start looking around in your area, you're going to find some some lore, some 
some weirdness if you look hard enough. We got plenty around oh, yeah. here. Yeah. We do have plenty. <laughs> or you yeah. do like me and just don't look for it at all. Yeah, Dustin don't want none of it. Don't none of that stuff to Man, it's the off season. You need to go on a ghost hunt. <laughs> no. <laughs> he ain't going well, ghost see, hunting or nothing. Here's which the I thing. Ain't going ghost hunting either. Here's the thing. The longer this goes on, the more y'all going to start wearing on Dustin. The more he's going to start coming around. Because look, Ryan, our co-host Ryan, when we first started this whole thing, huge skeptic, and he's still a skeptic. I mean, I, th- I think that it's good to be skeptical. You know, as far as you can be a uh, an open-minded skeptic. But as far as on Ryan's end, you know, one of our first couple episodes, we did on the paranormal, he just poo-pooed all over it. You know, he was just, everything was ridiculous to him. Well, the longer that we went, the longer that we went, the more it's went on. There's a whole lot of times that he just says stuff that I'm like, dude, you're a totally different person. Like what you believe today is totally different than what you believed a year and a half ago when we started this thing, or even, you know, six months ago when we were going. But I think it's one of those things, man, as you continue to do this, as you hear more and more stories, as you see things for yourself, as you have these things happen, you know, these, I like to call them synchronicities. It's not a real fancy, it's not a real loved word in in this field for some reason anymore. But, you start seeing these things going on and eventually you get to the point where you're like, well, you know what? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know how to explain it. So Dustin, your time's coming, pal. Your time's coming <laughs> where right, eventually man. you're just going to break. Let me tell you, I done told them some of weird stuff start happening to me. I'll quit in a heartbeat. Cause <laughs> ain't nothing holding me here. Watch this. I left a many of them standing in the street. But that takes out the adrenaline rush. Hey, I go find it jumping out of an airplane or something like that. I know, that's right. <laughs> just let us take you on one ghost hunt. I don't need to go hunting them, babe. Well, let's don't hunt them. Let's just, you know, Unless I can shoot them, I ain't hunting them. <laughs> well, I'll let you shoot out them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm get him, Justin, get him. <laughs> so, what kind of, has Ryan started having weird stuff happen to him? Uh, he's had some, not really, like, you know, paranormal stuff, but. You know, there's been some times where some of us, mainly me, you know, have been deep into some, some, you know, specific research or something like that. And then it kind of starts happening to all of us, um, you know, just different, like weird little coincidences going on that, you know, it happens and I call him out on, I'm like, Hey man, what's that? How do you explain that? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it's been nothing major. But just enough to to get him a little more open minded to to some of the stuff that that goes on out there, you know, some of the stuff that it's not seen every day. Well, there's no shortage of strange stuff in Charleston. Like that's a, for sure. There's, there's a lot of ghost tours you can take in downtown of Charleston. Yeah, I've been I actually on took one down there a few years ago. Me and my son took a, a citywide ghost tour or whatever because my son connor he's he, he's al- almost 17 he'll be 17 next month but dude he loves absolutely loves all these ghost tours and haunted attractions and all of this different stuff so everywhere we go everywhere we travel that's what he wants to do he wants to go check out some kind of ghost tour and 
me personally, just and this is just me, I'm more of the mind of I want to sit down. I want to hear other people's stories. I want to read about it. I want to see it in a documentary. I want to do the uh, the investigation from way, way, way back in the in a peanut section. Yeah. But Connor wants to be, be right in it. So, I mean, obviously, I can't let him go by himself. <laughs> I don't know, man. Another year, he's considered a grown man. He have to be rolling alone. <laughs> I ain't trying to bring none of that crap back to my house. Hey, there, there is it. Has was it y'all that talked about the hitchhiker? Or, or I don't know. I've I've heard it mentioned like the whole hitchhiker phenomenon. That yeah, I think just, the Silver Pill Boys talked about it a little bit, and they might have even talked about it with us a little when they came on our show. Uh, but yeah, that is a weird phenomenon, man. It happens. You know, there's a lot of places that that people go to investigate, and and yeah, I have a. Well, first off, you know, we talked about this when y'all was on my show. I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a believer in Jesus. Um, I believe that name carries a whole, whole lot of weight. You can you pretty much stop whatever's going on just by speaking the name of Jesus Christ. But in that, that's the part that keeps me from wanting to do a whole lot of this, you know, boots on the ground, haunted stuff investigation. Like, I always feel like I shouldn't be, uh, just, just probably shouldn't be here. That's but Dustin here, yeah, man, I'm with yeah. you, dude. Let's not be See. playing with them demons. So let's all get together and just do a walkabout one day. I, <laughs> I'll pick the trail. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's 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 one of those things. Uh, yeah, that hitchhiker effect. I believe it's it's real. So the places that me and Connor have been before we go anywhere, I tell him, I'm like, dude, all right, look, you got to say it. He's like, oh, dad, you know, there's people around. Dad, I don't want to. I'm like, no, uh-uh. You were the one in here talking and trying to contact and do all this different stuff. You say it. He'll be like, all right, whatever's here, whatever spirit or entity's here, you have to stay here. You cannot follow me in Jesus' name. You know, I, I make him say this whole big list of stuff. It's like putting his foot down saying, nope, you ain't, you ain't coming with us. Now, do they have to listen? Probably not. They probably do whatever they want to do. But it makes me feel better. So, how do you want? Is you got anything else, or do you want to talk about coon hunt for a little bit? Hey, we can talk about some coon hunting because man, I got a hitchhiker story real quick. Okay. (laughs) Oh yeah, well, I want to hear a hitchhiker story then. It ain't as spooky as y'all would like it to be. (laughs) But one time, me and this guy was coming back from work. Was coming from Chester through Whitmire. We come down the road, and there was this dude walking down the road. Cuz was twacked out. <laughs> well, we turned around to come back by him. Son <laughs> bitch was gone. <laughs> he disappeared. So we pulled Son down the road God. and turned back around to come back by him. We waited a little bit. And then when we went back by, he was laying in the ditch hiding like a damn lion or something, like he was stalking prey. <laughs> <laughs> and hey. I, vid- I videoed him a little bit and shit. No, hey, <laughs> that was my hitchhiker experience. Hey, hey, let's throw this out there right quick. Tell Justin about that time when y'all first moved into that house where you're at now. Oh. About the damn baloney. Oh, so when we first moved where I live now, I had a cousin that lived with me. He could he could drive. He was a little older than I was. And we I had just started high school, you know, ninth grade. So uh, every morning I would wake up and take my shower first. And usually he would get up and fry a bologna sandwich. Or if he got up and took his shower first. I would fry a bologna sandwich. That's how it went. 
when I'm up taking a shower, I hear somebody in the kitchen. And at the time, my bedroom was the dining room because it was a small house we moved into. We built onto it since then. But anyways, he's in there in the bed still. So I get out of the shower and go in there to wake him up. And he goes, what'd you cook us? And I was like, well, I was kind of wondering what you cooked us. He said, nah, I ain't been out of the bed. That was you in there cooking. I said, dude, I've been in the shower. He said, well, who's in there cooking? Because you could hear somebody was in there cooking, going through the cabinets and pans and stuff. They got a pan out. They was in there cooking. But they wasn't nobody there but me and him. Oh, no. Yeah. Hello? That's cr- Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Are we there? Oh, can you see us? Yeah, y'all are good. Oh, okay, whatever that good. was, oh, you cannot follow me home. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird, wasn't it? That's the only experience I've ever had like that, but that was pretty strange. That is weird. That's creepy. Yeah. And it was creepy, an old huh? man and woman that lived there for, they was the ones that had the house built. They lived there forever. Their niece lives right beside us. She said she thought it might have been the old woman looking for some of his money because he was bad to hide money everywhere in the house, and she was always looking and trying to find it. <laughs> and she thought that huh. was her digging around in cabinets looking for money is what she said. I feel like it was her cooking breakfast, though. That's what it seemed like. That's what it seemed like hey, look. That's what it sounded like from the shower. I was like, hell yeah. We're well, was, have- there, was there anything cooked and ready when you got out? Nah, but it would have been nice. <laughs> they were both disappointed. <laughs> disappointed as hell. <laughs> Everybody was disappointed. The yeah. ghost was disappointed. Ryan was disappointed. Everybody. That fella no, that is weird, dude. Was <laughs> um, that is weird. Well, I, okay, I remember. I forgot the guy's name. I remember it now. Okay, so it's no secret that I listened to uh, the confessionals with Tony Merkel. And mm-hmm. Justin listens, listens to the confessionals, and they've actually been on there and talked to Tony. So, a few weeks ago, he had this guest on there. Um, golly, it just slipped my mind again. Marvin Groves. Martin Groves. That was it, Martin Groves. And um, I had had a coon hunting experience probably around 2017, 2018, that it was weird. I never really knew what to think of it. I hadn't ever really talked about it amongst on, in the, on this podcast until I heard a certain section of of that when he was telling that story, and he mentioned a hearing something in a certain part of it, and it just I froze. It kind of like everything from that night started coming back, and it was like, "Oh shit." That's what that he's describing the same exact thing that we heard. And so I guess I I don't know what would be best to go ahead and just like tell this coon hunting story and what I heard and then tell his story of what he heard. Tell the coon hunting story and what you heard. Okay. That's what we'll do then. Tell about who was with you and all. Okay. Tell so, him his full name. <laughs> I don't know his full name. It was my brother in law whose name is uh, Chris James. Yeah, that's what we're going to call him. No related to Ryan James. Well, yes, this distant too. cousin. You're talking about, no, nah, he's related, bro. His papa and my papa are brothers. His oh, brother. I thought y'all was further than that. No, nah, his papa okay. and my papa are brothers. My bad. His mama and Chris's mama's both mamas. <laughs> got a bunch, there's a bunch of mamas. <laughs> bunch of mamas. So, one night, uh, he works at the same place where Dustin and I work and. Um, I mean, and he's been coon hunting 
a handful of times, maybe three times, two times that I can I can Pulled I can Sasha. remember. He may have been three or four times. I don't know. <laughs> you didn't hear Ryan say that, did you? <laughs> the, I didn't hear what he said. I heard what he said. He's like, oh, say it again. Y'all might have pulled through Sasha. There <laughs> was, was a waitress at the Waffle House where we was that we was at, and she was like, "Pull to Sasha." It's like <laughs> it's an inside joke. I had to say it. <laughs> so anyway, um, I hit him up. We was working. We worked the same shift for a long time, and I was like, "Hey man, when we get off work tonight at midnight, you want to go coon hunt with me?" He's like, "Yeah, where we going?" And that was uh. I can't give the name of the area, but it's a dairy farm, and it's less than 15 miles from here. My son is good friends with the, the owners, one of his sons, and they go to school together. They that go coyote, coyote hunting out there on this. It's a big dairy farm, but there's also sections that they use just to um, plant corn and stuff. It's a big, there'll be parts of this field. Well, there's this one little creek that came, it, it ran down. There's a, there's a paved road, but it's like a, a two lane country road. And then you go on up, that road takes a right, which is still just, it could almost be one lane. It's just a country road. Like I had no fear of traffic or nothing. And then it, it kind of made like a, a Indiana. It's our closest thing that we got to an Indiana block of woods, basically. The way this road goes up and cuts across back through there. And all on the backside of where this little creek run is, is it turns into just field. At this time, there was no corn or nothing there. It was just open field. And we're hunting. My dog is like 600, 650 yards, maybe 700. I don't remember. Up, up that creek. And she had, it was a, it was he, it was psycho. And he hadn't barked, he hadn't opened up, he hadn't done, said anything. And we're just standing there, and we just kind of moseyed our way, just following up along this little creek beside, right beside that field. And, and we were just making casual conversation, and all of a sudden, we hear this loud noise that's coming from the other side of those patch of woods out in and i knew that there was nothing but fields over there and all of a sudden this noise is like it sounded like a huge garage metal door free falling or just blah, 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 almost kind of like a, a a metallic thunder or something and then it, it don't like blam it don't make a noise it kind of like slam but about the time it started slamming and this shit is like extremely loud it's like metal shredding versus being ripped across. Screeching? Could we it, describe it, it as screeching? No, because it sounded like it was going across concrete also. Like like it was like busting gravel and rock with it as it just shredded and ripped like rock and stuff. Or that part of it like gave you chills. The other part was like, what in the hell? But then it all of a sudden it just and the whole thing lasted maybe hell I don't know three four seconds. 
it was it wasn't over in like a, a flash of lightning. It was like a blue, 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 blue. It's it like ten, fifteen seconds. It wasn't that long. But it, it was dude, it was so wild. But when that happened, I got to looking at my garment and my dog started coming back to me. And he was when when he was coming down through there, he was hauling ass. He was running as fast as he could possibly run. I get my hands on him, and then we're like, I'm like, what? I, we kept hearing something, and all of a sudden, all these cows come start stampeding through there, and they're hauling ass, and it was the closest thing that I, I felt like I was like Billy Crystal in the movie City Slickers. It was, Chris it was didn't just make a, it. He was trampled to death by <laughs> cows. But no, I told I, I told Chris I was I looked at him I was like, dude. I was like, I don't feel right about this. I, we need to go back to the truck. So we go back to the truck, and we go back up, make that right-hand turn on that other road. It's like you basically got back to the truck, go up about 300 yards, make a right, and you go on down. I forgot how it is, maybe a half a mile, and take a, another right onto a dirt road. And that dirt road, when we turned on to it, there was a um, a cow running up the middle of that road, well, he wasn't running up the middle. He was in the road, but he was maybe three or four feet off this edge of where, the, like, the grassy side. And he was all, that cow was all bloodied up. The face was all bloodied up. And I was like, man, this damn thing has done busted through the barbed wire fence over here. Maybe so, somebody hit a cow. There, there wasn't no, there was no way that could even, there wasn't no cow noise. But that whole metal shred, well, I called the landowner. I don't know if it was the landowner. There's a family. It's not just one person. There's like several family members into this on all these properties around the area. And they um I called him and I was just telling him that, you know, I wanted to let him know that they had a cow out that was all bloodied up. And I told him about that noise we had heard. And he said, yeah, I've had one or two other people tell me they've heard some kind of crazy noise that sounds something similar to that out there. And he said, just ain't been able to figure out what it is yet. And it was like, okay. And it was always kind of weird. It was like, you know, that nobody, he had heard, other people had said they had heard it before. I didn't know what it was. But then we just kind of chalked it off of like, yep, that was weird. Because there's nothing out there to possibly that it could have come from. There's no like big barns out there. There was no machinery out there. There was nothing but field out there. And fear. And fear. Yeah. Yeah. And cash. So <laughs> as uh well, as I'm listening to Martin Groves and I feel like that you could probably tell Martin Grove's story better than I can because I've heard y'all tell it before on y'all show or talk about that event that happened with him. And uh, do do you feel comfortable telling that story or his story, or you want me to tell it? Yeah, I can. I can give a little synopsis on it. Uh, so this guy, he was a, well, at the time he was a law enforcement officer, uh, around the, the land between the lakes region in Tennessee. Um, or maybe he was on the Kentucky side when, when the incident happened, uh, 
Anyway, he's out there with another police officer, one of his buddies, and uh, they're doing some camping and some hunting while they're out there. It's on a it's on a national park, so they're out there. They're in this this way off isolated place, and you know they they start having a bunch of little stuff happen. You know, rocks and limbs being thrown at them, and all this different stuff. Well, a bunch of little stuff happens, and then it all comes to a head. They see this what he described as this dog man looking entity and it just starts approaching them. You know, it's coming at them, you know, doing all this different stuff. Um, I can't remember for sure. I, I think he raised his gun and he eventually fired a, a few rounds at him. Didn't he Daniel, if I'm not mistaken, I know his buddy fired the shot and sent one yeah. off. No, before he did he too. Did. I might say, is this the one we listened to from yeah. Mississippi? Yeah. Uh, they just, both shot. They both shot. Yeah. And he got followed through the woods back to the campground or something where they was yeah. camping. Yeah. Well, this thing, this dog, man, you know, it's it's not really being affected by anything that they're doing, anything that's going on. And whenever it's advancing to them, it has like a part of a bloody carcass in one of its hands. Like it, it's that's how it's it's approaching them. It's giving them this like sneer, you know, all this different stuff. Well, eventually, as, as most people would, when you see, hey, you know, we're we're firing rounds at this thing and it just keeps approaching or if it just steps off, it just steps off a little ways and it's it's we're, we've kind of got our backs against the wall here because literally they were up against a big old cliff. Well, they just jump in the truck and they hightail it out of there. But while they're while they're going, while they're getting out of there, they see these they see these Bigfoot like creatures popping up on the sides of the road and that are like approaching the truck and doing all this different stuff. And somewhere in the midst of all this, while all this is going on, they hear a, a big metallic sound, you know, this metallic, like a door, uh, like a steel door slamming in the middle of the woods while all that's going on. The story, I mean, for anybody listening, go check it out. I'm not sure what episode number it is. Um, it's a really interesting story and just like, you know, I could see if, if, if you boys, if Daniel, if you heard a, a similar sound out there in the woods, it would be eerie because, you know, when you're out in the middle of the woods, you're not supposed to hear a big metal trap door slam shut or, you know, something along those lines. But yeah, I, I could see why it would, <laughs> it would make you freak out a little bit or, or pause and freeze up. Yeah. And uh, the part where they heard it, that was when his buddy was off hunting before something, while something had uh, hurled an old rotten ear of corn at his buddy. And yep, that stuck right. out to him. Cause, but while they were split up before all the activity really started, that's when they heard the metallic noise. And then, yep. that, then he started – seeing apparitions of something following him and all that. But it was like kind of like what started kicked everything off that whole evening was like something opened up that door or opened up something and released the, the hounds or, or something on them. So, so if you hear yeah, that, I door, think that's run. Yeah, yeah. for real. And yeah. I think that's what, you know, that, that's kind of what Martin – grows i think that's what he kind of theorizes you know in his mind the way this all played out he said he felt like these bigfoot creatures might have been like the owners he said you know just like humans own like just like you boys own coon dogs 
yeah. you're opening uh you're opening a dog box and closing it back when you're going hunting he said that's how he felt like these bigfoot creatures were with these dogmen creatures like they he, they opened a box and, and opened a cage and let them loose maybe which is i mean what? pull your mic up a little bit i yeah. said maybe they admire us there's bigfoots maybe they maybe might. that's why that one's been watching you daniel <laughs> Uh oh, you had a Bigfoot trying watching to, you. Trying to learn his ways, man. Oh, yeah. That's right. But no, for anybody that does want to check out that full story in that episode, I just went ahead and done a little research here while we were talking. It's episode 514 on the confessionals, and it's called Terror in the LBL. So definitely go check that out. Shout out, Tony Merkel, professionals. Yep. Shout out. And if he ever hears this, please come on our show. You got a coon hunting story. <laughs> I want you to tell our audience this story. <laughs> so, I mean, hell, you even made a documentary out of it. We're sending you a bag of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just got a, a GSP. Well, he needs a bag of this dog food. And maybe a collar with his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll stamp it out and everything. But, no. Um, So, when I reached out to you, because – I was like the next day or something, I was like, dude, I, I heard that noise. I've heard that noise before. And he was like, yeah, that noise is associated some or told with some of the David Politis' 411. And I'm like, how did I miss that? Out of all this, like looking into this stuff and watching those videos and or, you know, those the 411 stuff, I was like, how did I miss them talking about that? But – Sure enough, they did. There was one of them in particular on that uh, the hunted or the four one one the hunt or whatever it's called. There was one yep. dude in particular where people in that like hunting party heard all heard this same sounding noise or described the same way when this guy goes missing that was a part of their like hunting party. As um, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the dude's name. Um, I can't I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, in, in missing four one one the hunted this guy they go out. And I'm thinking it's in the oh, the New England area, maybe. I can't I, remember. I, I'm not. I can't remember for sure where where it happened at. Um, I was trying to look it up too, real fast, but. Anyway, we'll just – we'll cover it based on what we remember off of it. This guy, he was in his 70s, early 80s, you know, a, a real experienced hunter. And they would go out on these hunting trips and, you know, the family and family friends. And it was a, it was a big party of people hunting. You know, we're talking like six, seven, eight dudes that are all out there hunting. And this elderly man – like I said, he'd been hunting for, you know, years and years and years, and they go to the same spot every year, and he always goes to this one location and hunts from. You know, they all have their spots where they go hunt. So they go out there, they hunt all day long. They come back to the truck. You know, they've got a, they've got their walkies on them. They come back to the truck. This dude never shows. So eventually they go out looking for him, still never shows. Well, dark rolls around, still can't find him, still never shows up. So – you know, obviously, at this point, they're, they're freaking out. They're combing the woods. They call it in, report that he's missing, all this different stuff. So time goes on. They do a, a huge search for him. Nothing's ever found. Um, just 
vanished, just disappeared. And, and we're, again, we're talking about a dude that's in his late 70s, early 80s, actually had help getting to his hunting spot. You know, that's that's where he was. He, he, it's not like he's just getting up and taking off on his own. I mean, you know, he was, wasn't exactly in peak physical condition. So he goes missing. They never do find him. And in the interview process, when David Pilatus starts looking into the case and starts – interviewing some of the people that are involved finally this one guy starts talking about how while they were out there he hears this this extremely loud noise that sounds like a metal door slamming like a trap door slamming he has no idea where it came from and then upon talking to a couple more of the people a couple more heard it so it's a it's a weird thing it's a weird phenomenon that you'll start hearing and some of these missing 411 or missing people in general cases, um, you know, and there's a ton of different theories out there based on, you know, we just, we talked about Martin Groves' theory that, you know, these Bigfoot-like creatures were letting these dog men out of these giant dog boxes, I guess. I mean, I don't know what kind of vehicles are driving around. Got these dog boxes in the back, but it's got to be big, big, big monster truck. But, uh, so you've got that theory. You've got the whole portal theory, you know, the whole interdimensional portal theory that somehow when these portals close, that they make a sound like this. Um, and I actually heard one of one of the favorite ones that I'd heard is this sound. And they I heard an audio version of it because you wouldn't think, you'd never believe, but they – Somebody on audio slammed like a, a metal door, slammed a metal door and what it sounded like. But then they also took a big, thick, but but pliable, flexible tree branch, right? And they bent it down all the way to the ground and then just let it loose. And the sound that that tree branch made through the air and then as it was hitting the other branches and stuff, it was kind of close. I mean, you wouldn't think that it would be a cloak, but it was, it wasn't exact, but it would be easy to say, well, I heard this big commotion. And so I heard, and I don't even remember who put this theory out, but they were talking about this case, for example, and they were talking about, um, in that area, there's a lot of lore of like Wendigos, skinwalkers in that very same area. And was talking about how if something that was extremely large, you know, some, some kind of extremely large predator that was able to bend a branch and then kind of jump off that sucker like a diving board, how that sound could be could be made, could be close to to that trap door kind of sound. So I mean, there's all kinds of different theories out there. All of them kind of involve the weird at well and, and obviously the most obvious obvious theory is dumbs right deep underground military bases well this big door slams on this dumb when they come up and grab whoever they're getting while they want some 80 year old dude to bring down i have no idea but i don't know there's there's a lot of interesting theories out there uh it's a it's a weird weird topic when anytime you start talking about noises in the woods that don't really belong 
it gets weird. You know, we recorded with uh, Shane Jones for um, Inquiries of Our Realities last night. And off the record, we talked about it some. And that was his whole hypothesis on that. That that uh, noise is a door opening from an underground, uh, underground base or an underground tunnel. I don't remember that, him talking about that. We talked about that yeah. off the record. Yeah. Like, that was just me and him sitting oh, there talking. Oh, that's after I left. No, I, yeah. I was here for that. You was here for I that? I think I heard that. Unless I you told me about it, so. and I just remember it from that. I told you about it. I but say, me I and him sat here that's for how my brain works. I heard it, damn it. <laughs> me and, dude, we sat here and talked till almost 2 o'clock this morning. Man, and I'd have cussed <clears throat> all y'all out if you'd have kept me here till 2 o'clock. You'd have been dumb if you staying. I'd have just stood up and left. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just got to talking about other stuff, all kind of different stuff. But that was his whole thing as far as, like, some type of uh, underground door opening up and something being let out, if something's being let out, whatnot. But I don't know. I just know it was a, a weird coon hunting experience. Unleashed the Kraken. But yeah, unleash the dog men's and big feats. Yeah, get his all ass I, big feats. All I really know is I t- I told my son he goes out there they coyote hunt out there they be putting up their little calls and all kind of different different stuff and I just told him I was like if you I, dude, I sat him down and had a talk with him like we was having a sex education talk like we was having a serious talk and I told him I was like if you ever hear that noise while y'all were out there coyote hunting. I was like, look me in my face and see how serious I am. I said, get your shit, get it up, and you get out from down there and do not wait around. <laughs> he sounded like Jenny talking to Forrest going, you just run, okay? You just run, <laughs> you just run, you just run away. <laughs> if you get in any trouble while you're there, you just run, you hear me? You just run, run well, away. I couldn't leave my best good friend Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> pretty soon I was by myself. Which was not good. <laughs> they hijacked it with Forrest Gump. Oh, boy. Oh, that's all I can think about when you went into that store. I was like, just run, Slim, run. <laughs> Get your little ass out there, boy. Except, <laughs> except it'd be Andy instead of Jenny telling him. <laughs> hey, if you're looking for a really good light, what's the best light on the market, Ryan? It'd be a bright eyes. It's so bright. It's been rumored. People have seen shit from the 1800s with it. That's a rumor. And I hear that heat seeker will burn a dingleberry off a Sasquatch ass at 200 yards. It's pumping the daylight in. Nah, for a really good light, go over to brighteyes.com. Check them out. Enter this promo code, houndstooth. It's one word, H-O-U-N-D-S-T-O-O-T-H. Enter that promo code, 5% off that light. I mean, they sell or sell. Yeah. Absolutely. They go on that website, they'll be impressed. They buy one, they'll be even more impressed. Use that promo code, houndstooth. One word, H-O-U-N-D-S-T-O-O-T-H. Put that in, get you a new heat seeker. We appreciate it. So, dude, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll uh, shift gears here because in your area, y'all got some pretty cool stuff going on in your whole area. 
And we got to start with the most recent one because we both heard the episode about the vampire up there in the Dagum Appalachians. And I found out by listening to y'all's show that this guy's story that was on the confessionals, this whole vampire thing took place where you live. Isn't it where you yep. live? Yep, our hometown. Do yep. you know this like, vampire? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't know this vampire. I actually went back and re-listened what? to that no, story. Coincidentally, I ain't never seen you in the daylight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh, that's true. That's true. Let us see your teeth. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of sharp. I do got some sharp ones, but they're small. They're <laughs> kind of sharp. I got I got some pretty sharp canines. They may be a little. I got some and, sharp ones. I'm like a, the dog shit out of somebody. <laughs> and I'm a ginger, so I burn pretty good in the sun. I mean, I may be a vampire. I don't know. You got that nephilim blood. Yeah, that's 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 probably for sure. That that ginger blood. Lie. Oh, doggone but Joel no, man. Joel, Joel, yeah, from over there at uh, Kill the Mockingbirds. He's proud of it. Oh, the yeah. The gingers, yeah, baby. Joel, the he's, gingers. Joel's a, he's a wild man. He is a wild man. He's he's a lot of fun, dude. But he is a wild man. So, but yeah, this whole uh, again, you know, another story coming coming from the confessionals. Um, I was, you know, I saw the episode. I, I, I always check out, you know, Tuesday mornings, whenever I'm at work, new episode of the confessionals drops, I'm checking it out. You know, that's just one of those shows that I listen into religiously. And when I seen it pop up, Virginia Mountain Dracula was the, the name of the, the title of the episode. I was like, well, I've got to check this and that and listen in close because, I mean, if it's a Virginia Mountain it's got to be pretty close to me. I mean, there ain't no mountains past Roanoke, really. So it's got to be within at least a few hours. So I start listening in. The dude starts talking about, you know, when he was younger, his uh, his daddy was a pastor and a coal miner, and they lived in a, a town. He worked in a town, lived in a town called Oakwood, Virginia. And I was like, oh, dude, that's right down the freaking road. You know, I can be in Oakwood in 20, 25 minutes. That's right down the road. So I'm going to listen close and check this thing out. Well, he keeps on talking a little bit. He's like, you know, my daddy got laid off and, and he would go around and pick up jobs. These other little coal towns. So he said, so he started working on a strip job in this little coal town. And while he was saying, I was thinking, my mom, please say, hey, si, please say, hey, si. And he said, we moved to a, a trailer park in a coal town, Hayside, Virginia. And I was like, yes, we're in it now. So. He starts telling this story about how his mommy asked him and his younger sister and his aunt, who was 16, he was nine years old at the time, to go pick some blackberries to make some blackberry cobbler. He was talking about how, you know, they didn't get no candy, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of money. So these blackberry desserts or whatever kind of fruit they picked desserts were the only real sweets that they got. So they were pumped, you know, they wanted to go get some blackberries. So they head up this mountain and it's, he talks about it being a big switchback road up this, up this mountain and a switchback road for anybody that don't know, it's just a road with a whole lot of Kishihani and curves in it. You know, you're just constantly switching back and forth as you go. So they walk up to the top of this mountain and when they get up there, they well first he starts talking about how he feels like he's being watched the whole time 
they get up there and they see this big snake, this gigantic black snake. He said, but it has like it, it, it comes out like a viper, like a hooded viper, you know, has on the side of his head. He said, and this thing, it just keeps going around him and it never ends. Like it's trying to circle him. So he grabs up his sister and they take off. And he talks about this snake having like human looking eyes, which is really freaking weird. Well, they get up, they take off from this snake and they walk into this little cemetery. He says the cemetery is, you know, it's got like some iron fence around an iron gate in front of it. And they walk up and as he walks up, there's other people there already. And they're looking at this glass coffin. There's a glass coffin that's, in a shallow grave it's like the top of the coffin is level with the ground almost like it's just meant to be there for viewing purposes walks up there and laying inside this glass coffin is dracula i mean he says it's got the the 1600s looking clothes on uh, it's got a big velvety purple looking cloak the jet black hair like slick back black fingernails all this different stuff and was literally wearing a medallion that said dracula so this freaks them out a little bit they start to back up out of there when they do they meet this big tall guy this tall man that has a doberman with him and he said there's just this stench coming from this man this doberman this man starts asking them you know what they're doing here. And he said, when this guy talks, when he speaks, it's like 50 people talking at the same time. It's just not natural. It doesn't sound natural. So, you know, he starts talking to the guy and he's just at this point, he's just like asking to, to get gone. Just let us go. Well, the guy just, I get he, the way he talks about to show his power. Like he turns into this black smoke, him and the dog, they turn into this black smoke and they teleport up into a limb in this tree and then they come back and and finally the way it all goes <clears throat> is this guy pretty much tells him look y'all can go get your hind ends out of here and get out of here quick but you better it never come back up here if you come back up here again i'll kill you i'll kill all of you so he's standing there kind of negotiating talking with the dude or you know whatever he can do the best of his ability while the rest of his, you know, his cousin or his aunt and his sister is making their way back down the mountain. He said he looks down there about three quarters of the way down. So he just starts booking it. Well, while he's booking it, this dude keeps popping up. Every time he gets to a switchback, this dude keeps popping up, you know, kind of like making sure, like a guardian, making sure he's like get out of here. I'm going to see you back. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much what he was doing. Or did they get so that sounds like a wild what's that now i said did they get any blackberries or what <laughs> i think they did get some i think they did get a few I blackberries think, i think when i listened to it they had found like a blackberry patch right yeah. before they come upon that uh that cemetery yeah but yeah i mean that sounds like a, a super wild story right i mean it sounds yeah. you know almost ridiculous when you're listening to it so but unbelievable it, it is. It it really is. Damn, what are you doing with a lighter? <laughs> but it's one of those things. It's one of those things. Like, you know, on our show, 
we talk a, a lot about some of these ancient entities that we believe still roam around and are still worshipped in Appalachia, in our area. You know, we have, you know, an entity that's called the Green Man that's worshipped in central Appalachia, you know, in a lot of, of pagan groups, um, you know, like more new agey, witchy kind of groups that are out there. They they worship not not so much worship, but pay reverence to what they call the green man. And the green man is like a representation, you know, of the old adage of Pan, you know, like the Greek god Pan. Yep. Well, one of the details in this story, this tall guy with this dog was wearing what he called an earthy, an earthy green looking pair of pants, like brown shoes and a brown jacket, like this earthy looking which could be in, in my viewpoint could be a kind of a representation of the green man. Right. So we, in our, in my belief, I won't say our, I'll just speak for myself here. In my belief, there's a lot of old entities that roam the woods around here. And sometimes we refer to them as old gods. Right. And what I mean by that are whatever you want to call them, fallen angels, demons, old gods that have been worshiped all through civilization, you know, ancient civilizations all through history. They've had a, a million different names, but I believe a lot of them operate right here in central Appalachia where we are now, my theory, and this is just me speaking, my theory on this whole thing, what these kids seen, I believe a hundred percent that they saw what they said they saw. Do I believe that it was a hundred percent physical, a physical representation? Like, do I believe that it was really Dracula there in a glass coffin? No, I don't. Do I believe that they seen this gigantic human eyed monster, black snake cobra circling around them? No, I don't believe that was real. Do I believe this entity and this dog was real? Absolutely. And I believe this entity and this dog projected what's sometimes called in the field like screen memories right you hear it a lot in in alien encounters abduction cases uh, a lot of poltergeist you know hauntings where kids especially will see what they call screen memories and what that is it's something to get their attention more more often than not frighten them but it's something that they can relate to something that they know right so you take a group of kids you know 16 and under and back in, this was probably the way the guy talked, probably the early mid eighties, somewhere around there. Well, what's something they're going to be afraid of? Snakes. Everybody knows about, everybody knows about snakes and Dracula, right? They've probably watched cartoons with Dracula, read comic books with Dracula, maybe watched a movie or two about Dracula. That's the common perception of Dracula. So that's what they see. In my opinion, this entity, whatever he was, this was this was his area of control at that time for whatever was going on. So these kids start coming snooping around. He don't want them there. So he tries to show them a couple things at first to get them gone. Hey, get out of here. I'm going to show you this big snake. I'm going to show you Dracula. I'm going to project this. It's, it's not really there, but I'm going to project it to try to scare the crap out of you so you'll get out of here. And when neither one of those things worked, he said, all right, I'll just show myself. 
that's that's my opinion on the whole thing. That's my theory on. To me, I've heard all kinds of cases, encounters of, you know, demonic activity, people dealing with with a demonic infestation or whatever, and these things being able to project, make these people see whatever they want them to see. So I think that if, if it's something that kind of falls in line with that, that would be my best bet. Again, I don't think there was probably a real Dracula there, but I would almost guarantee you that that's what these kids seen. I can get down with that. <clears throat> I kind of thought I was like thinking maybe they had some type of ritual. They had like walked up on or something. It could it could have been like a reenacting only, of a ritual. It, it could have been, and I won't. The only problem that I have with that one is there's nobody else around, right? There was nobody else around now, and there's a lot of places in this area that don't get walked up onto a lot or, you know, a lot of remote parts of the woods around here where there's not a whole lot of people at. But if you're talking like a switchback road and a cemetery that's right off the road in a place that, you know, people are living, it's a little a trailer park and coal camp community. I feel like there's going to be some traffic around that, around the area. I don't feel like it's some if somebody's going to do a ritual, just me for instance. If if I'm going to get a group of people out and go into the woods and start doing some satanic or witchy stuff, you know, whatever I'm going to do, and I don't want people knowing about it, there's a whole lot better places to go than somewhere where a bunch of kids are going to stumble up on within a matter of a few minutes trying to pick blackberries. That's my only issue I got with it. That's why I think that it was more of a for lack of better words, it was the old God, you know, small G God that was just in the area and decided that he was staking claim to, to that ground that day and told these kids, Hey, beat it, beat it or I'll kill you. And I mean, we've heard, you know, I've heard a ton of stories from a lot of people, you know, I'm sure Daniel, you've listened to, to our Chronicles of a Granny Witch episode recently and some of the stories that this this elderly lady that's uh, really close to me and my family, you know, a lot of the things and the stories that she was saying, they're not the same, but they're similar. I mean, they're meeting these creatures or these entities or, you know, these whatever you want to call them in the woods, having conversations with them, and then – something weird happening coming from it and crazier than that i'm gonna have to start looking at the correlation between seeing these things and blackberries because that was one of the stories that she told me was she or was she was picking blackberries and this guy in a three-piece suit and totally clean dress shoes just comes out of nowhere and starts talking to her and asking for some blackberries and the whole thing go, you know, it all plays out. She starts feeling super weird about it. He starts acting a little pushy. So she just drops her bucket of blackberries that she had and runs, takes off toward the house. When she turns around, and looks back, she sees this man in this super nice suit and these dress shoes, pick this bucket of berries up, take off walking, and then just gone. 
he's gone. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe these old gods really like blackberries. I don't know. Dude, I like <clears> – I want you to tell, you know, our audience the uh, what that granny witch told you about her theory of the strangeness of why she thinks strangeness in the Appalachia area. Because I think she's like, might have a point. So she tells me all these stories, you know, all these, these different encounters and in her words, her and her family's encounters with what she calls faceless holler haints. So that's what she called them, which freaking gives me the creeps. It gives me goosebumps every time I say it, faceless holler haints. But she's talking about all this, you know, we're talking about all these stories, having all these conversations. And the next time that, that I was around her, I was like, okay, well, I heard the stories. Now I'm going to ask some questions. So I just asked her, I said, so you, you told me all these stories. You know, I hear a ton of stories in with what I do. Why do you think, why do you think so much weird stuff happens where we live happens right here in, in central Appalachia? And she said, well, I'm just going to be honest with you. She said, I believe way back in the old days, way, way back that a bunch of these entities, I, I forget what the exact word she used for, but I'll just say entities. She said a bunch of these entities was on earth and they was raising all kinds of cane. They was raising all kinds of cane, getting into all kinds of trouble, you know, constantly uh, just raising cane. She said, so I believe that when they started doing too much, then God rounded them up and he put them in prison. I said, what do you mean put them in prison? She said, well, I believe he rounded them up and he stuck them right here in these Appalachian mountains a long time ago. He, she said, when these mountains were way bigger than they are today, I believe that God put them in prison right here in these mountains. And then over time, as weathering and erosion started happening and it started beating away at the mountains, and then especially when settlers come in and we started drilling into these mountains to get the coal out, we just let these things back loose. So now they're raising cane right here. I like that. Yeah. Dude. Especially coal mining because think about the uh, mountain they took out doing that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, man. Like, yeah, we've talked about a, a couple of different times on our show and on other people's show because you know that that's a theory that we're running with like and, and we know like you know if we look at the world like i do from a biblical worldview we know genesis 6 we know that fallen angels especially the the worst of the ones god did restrain and put in prison you know under the earth there was some that were strained to put under the euphrates river there were some who were restrained and sent to uh, what the Bible calls Tartarus. You know, in the Greek, it's it's Tartarus. So we know from biblical, from scripture, that be these Peter. fallen angels that started committing the most atrocious sins against God, he bound and placed under the earth in prison. So who's to say that? Some of those places wasn't a far away land in in the Appalachian Mountains where, for all we know, 
there wasn't anybody but the natives. I mean, I believe other than that, but there wasn't anybody but the natives at the time. You know, the first people here, whoever that may have been, but even the natives wouldn't settle this place. They wouldn't settle this area. They would come in and hunt. They would come in and farm, but they would not make a settlement out of it. They called it dark and bloody ground. Why? What was here that made them not want to settle here? And then all of a sudden, you've got coal mining coming in. You've got the old the Scots-Irish and the German that come in, the first white settlers, and then they kick in their heels in these mountains, and they refuse to budge and refuse to leave. And then they bring their tradition with them. They, they bring their beliefs with them. A lot of these old gods that, you know, we talk about all the time, they, they, they believed in them. You know, they believed in this whole pantheon of gods. So they brought these beliefs over and then you start hearing stories and people encountering some of these old entities, some of these same gods that they worshiped or maybe not worshiped, but had knowledge of it's weird, man. It's a weird thought process. And I don't, I think that she's probably not too far off and she's a Christian lady. I don't know how much she dives into the whole Genesis six thing or knows about it, but I think even biblically, I can say, well, scripture, scripture could back that up. Yep. <clears throat> I don't know where to go, but other than uh, we're talking about all this mining and all this other stuff, and I, I, I kind of teased our audience with um, talking about silver mines and granny witches and all this other stuff. And we talked about coon hunting. We've talked about granny witches, vampires, but we ain't talked about silver mines yet. And that <laughs> yeah. is like, y'all, y'all have been like telling this story all over the place here lately. I've heard it several, several times myself, but it don't get old because I almost feel like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I, I want to kind of compare it to the Goonies a little bit. It's like this kind of, <laughs> an, traps. This kind of an adventure in, in, in all of it. And it's kind of like the audience is going along on that adventure too, little by little as it plays out. And it's, I don't know, I just think it's freaking fascinating, dude. And it all started from this, like these whatever. I don't know what they are. What are they, carvings? What are they? Well, they definitely look like carvings to us. Um, you know, and, and just talking about what you're talking about, we've been on a bunch of different shows talking about this adventure that we're on that we've just kind of stumbled into. Um, and, you know, to, to keep it, we'll just hit the high notes on it because, well, if people are really interested in it, you can go check out a whole lot of different podcasts and listen to yeah. a, a full story and a full rundown. But that's the interesting thing, man. Like, we actually don't talk about it a whole lot on our show, which is, it, I mean, it's kind of weird. I think it's just one of those things like you don't want to beat people down with the story. You know what I mean? I mean we, we post on social media when we go out exploring and all this different stuff. But, like, as far as on our end, you know, we might share a little bit of new information whenever we find it or whatever, but we don't talk about it a whole lot. So I'm actually glad that we're doing this as a, as kind of a swap cast thing. So, you know, a lot of our listeners that probably haven't heard a whole lot about it in a while, you know, they'll get a little rundown of it. 
but yeah, I'll just try to hit the high notes. Uh, let your people know about this this big Goonies like adventure that we're on. Hey, you guys! Uh, <laughs> one eye Jack, man. No, it's one eye Willie. One eye Willie. One eye Willie. That's one exactly right. Willie. We're going to find Willie. one eye Willie. But no, we uh, <laughs> now, now it just it just hit me how dirty that that name <laughs> is. It's like a little on the nose, ain't it? One eyed Willie. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. My yeah. childhood's kind of ruined. I was with named One Eyed Johnson. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm sitting here thinking. One Eyed Peter. One Eyed Dick. Oh, good. <laughs> One Eyed Richard, man. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Hey, there's all there's all kinds of kids entertainment out there. You'll find that stuff in. Oh it's, yeah. You really start looking. Your childhood's been burnt a thousand times over. But no, anyway, uh, you know, we started this podcast. We started growing a little bit. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have like a a local following pretty early on. You know, people that I went to school with, people that I've known for years and years and years, started listening in and. Um, yeah, I'm really active in the community. I'm constantly out doing something, whether it's, you know, going to kids' ball games or in church or leading a teen ministry or, uh, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm constantly out in the community. And I'm, a, I'm an extremely, like, you would think I was running for office everywhere I go. I'm shaking hands and giving hugs and talking to everybody I see. It looks, I look like a politician. That's just me. I mean, that's just my personality. But I was, I was camping. Back in the summer, early summer, uh, well, about midsummer of last year, and uh, this guy was down there camping too. He was a listener of the show and a good friend of mine, Chris Byers, and his wife Melanie. So we start talking about you know our town and the area and the river that runs through it. And at the time, we wanted to do to do like this little. YouTube like documentary over some of the stories and the history of this river. Well, he starts talking about and, and asked me a question. He said, Well, have you ever seen the the rock carvings that are up there on that cliff above town? I was like, No, man, I've I have no idea what you're talking about. So he starts showing me pictures, and immediately I was I was in it. I was in I was intrigued. So Anybody that wants to see these pictures, you can go check us out on our Instagram at Appalachian Intelligence. I've got all these pictures of the rock on there. I think maybe even a couple videos. <clears throat> but it's weird, dude. Like you have this this face on the top of the cliff rock and probably about three feet long by about, I don't know, 15, 18 inches across. You have these circular cavernous looking carvings around a middle what looks like a, a path or a bridge or a ladder or something of the sort it, it's like a that, that runs right through the middle of it on one corner you have this humanoid figure that's carved in on the other corner you have a humanoid figure that's carved in it's a really weird it just it, it doesn't belong there there's nothing else like it anywhere around so we go up, me and Ryan and Lance, mine and Ryan's sons, we go up and we check the place out one Sunday. You know, we're looking at it. We're, we're doing all this different stuff. 
well, we're putting it out there. You know, we're asking everybody, what is this? Where does it come from? You know, who did it? How old is it? You know, we, we're just trying to gain information from it because it's interesting. You know, you find these crazy looking glyphs in your backyard and you start talking to people and either nobody knows about it or nobody really cares about it. So we go out, we're looking at these things. Lance starts talking to it, uh, starts talking at work to one of his coworkers, J.W. Salyers, uh, starts talking to his coworker about it. They get into a conversation. They start talking about like different local legends and lore and all this different stuff. And I had found an, uh, a PowerPoint online where an attorney out of Elkhorn City, Kentucky, had put together this big PowerPoint of all these different carvings, you know, all in all throughout Virginia and Kentucky, and West Virginia, and how he had tied some of these carvings to these maps of the John Swift silver mine. So Lance mentions to this coworker that, you know, we're looking into a possible connection between these carvings in the Swift silver mine because the Swift silver mine has been, dude, it's been legendary. I've heard about it my entire life. There's literally been people that have searched for this mine their whole lives. You know, they're the old frazzled gray headed dudes at the end of their life saying, I almost had it. You know, I almost found it. Nobody for, for 250 years now, nobody's, I mean, there's been silver found. So I mean, we know that there's at least a little bit of, of, truth to the story because people have found silver they found silver bars they found silver coins they found different kinds of artifacts around like mainly pine mountain uh it's a mountain range that runs in between virginia and kentucky um so yeah i mean people have found some of this stuff so they start talking about it well jw his eyes light up and he starts talking about all this and and to make the story really brief he had met this guy that lived on the treasure coast of Florida. And this guy had made his fortune by finding part of, uh, part of Blackbeard's treasure and part of one of Christopher Columbus's ships. So he made his fortune. So he was, this dude was a legit treasure hunter, but the way that he would go about finding a lot of this treasure, he would do it by dowsing. He'd lay out a map. And he would take dowsing rods along this map. And wherever those dowsing rods would hit, he'd say, okay, treasure's there. And more often than not, it worked for him. So he starts, he starts giving JW, there was a, a family business, like a, a thing that fell through. Well, JW's parents were trying to buy this property in Florida off of this guy. This guy sold it kind of out from under him felt bad about it so they were just so he tells jw okay look there's this place up you know it's south of cincinnati uh i believe there's some civil war gold there i need you to go check it out for me you know if you find it it's yours from what i from, from the mistake that i made about this whole property thing if you find it it's yours so JW's like, you know, he, he don't know whether to believe this dude or not. You know, he said he's just an older, really eccentric guy. He's talking 90 miles a minute with all the information that he's given. But the, Mr. Anderson is the guy's name. He sends JW this map, you know, and it's literally like X marks the spot. This is where you need to go. 
So JW and a buddy, he's like, all right, you know, it's Cincinnati's not that far away. Let's just go check it out. So one weekend they go up there, they take metal detectors. It's on these people's property. Like literally he can see that there's this weird little mound looking thing in these people's backyard. So he goes up, he knocks on the door. Nobody answers. Nobody's home. So they go out and they wait and they wait and they wait. Nobody ever shows up. So finally he's like, look, I didn't drive all this way just to turn around and go home. I'm at least going out and checking out. I mean, the worst thing they can do is, is pull up and say, get the heck off my property. So he goes up, he starts metal detection around the place, you know, getting nothing, 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 makes his way up to this mound. He gets pings on his metal detector for high metal or precious metal pings on his metal detector. So he's like, this is it. Dude sent me right here. So they go, they, they end up talking to the homeowners. They talk to, uh, they start pulling records from the courthouse. Information comes from the courthouse and they tell them, no, look, you can't dig there. It's a, it's an old Native American burial ground. That's why the mounds are there. So they're like, well, well, that's dead in the water. I mean, we can't dig it up. But we've got high precious metal pings from this place that he said there's, there's treasure. So he comes back. He's, he's delivering all this information to Mr. Anderson, telling him all this different stuff about how the, the exp- their journey went. Well, Mr. Anderson starts telling him, well, I know about a much bigger treasure that's right in your area. I've been there back in the eighties. I've saw it with my own eyes and there's billions of dollars of silver in these mountains. He said, I I can tell you where the swift silver mine is. So JW, you know, he starts taking all these notes. He starts writing all this stuff down, all this different stuff. JW himself went and looked for this mine where the location and see the location that Mr. Anderson delivered to Mr. Salyers who then delivered it to us is not the same location that you'll see anywhere else by a lot of these swift silver mine hunters. Nobody else talks about it being in in this area, but the more that we've looked into it, the more that we've dove in and explored and went and checked the place out and looked at geographically what would make sense we believe we know where it's at. The only problem is where we think it's at is a mother to get to. The only time spent, the only the only way that we could spend actual time out there searching is to get our packs on, hit the woods, and just decide we're sticking it out right here. We're camping out for, you know, a long weekend, full weekend, whatever. And even that, it's it's not it, dude. It's treacherous terrain. And the weird part about it is, you know, where we live, there's not really boulders. There's not just boulders. And, and in this place, there's these weird, like, huge boulders just set up in certain areas. Snakes out the yin-yang, dude. There's snakes galore through there. Literally, like, going into this place, you're, all, you're along cliff faces, you're walking these little bitty paths and trails that are right on the edge of a cliff that ain't, you know, a foot and a half wide. I mean, it's, it's rough. But in saying all that, the more that we look into it, the more that 
number one, we found out treasure hunting ain't easy at all. It's freaking hard. But the more that we look into it and the more that we go about, you know, whether it be researching or actual boots on the ground stuff, for every question that we get answered, there's like a dozen more questions that pop up around it. You know, I've been digging into, I decided at one point, if we're going to, if we're going to learn about this treasure and, and where it's at, if we're going to learn about this silver. And I keep saying treasure, but this was an operating mine, right? The silver still, you know, it's, it's in the mountain. Now we believe that there's caches of silver that Swift and his men buried in a whole bunch of different locations because you had bandits, you had a, a lot of these natives and other settlers that were trying to rob the transport of this silver from different places. So we believe that that Swift and his men buried a lot of these different caches around. Cause I mean, at that time you didn't have banks to put it in. Like, what are you going to do? You can't just keep all the stuff on you. You put it somewhere where nobody can find it except for you whenever you need it. That, that, that's your bank. It's the old, you know, bury your money in the backyard strategy. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what they did. <clears throat> So we believe that there's a lot of these caches out and around there. Now, I believe some of them have probably been found. Um, but at one point we, I decided I'm, I'm really going to start digging into Swift's journals. I'm going to start looking at the man. I'm going to start looking at his history. You know, who was he? What did he do? How, what, what's the history of his life? Swift was a really interesting character. Number one, but people always say, they always throw out the question. Well, if he had all this silver, how could it be lost? Right? Like, I mean, how do you just lose a silver mine? Well, Swift, this was, this was in the 17, uh, 1780s, I think. Yeah. Late 1780s. You're coming off, you're coming off the American revolution. They're still, kind of English, British, not, I don't want to say rule, but even after the revolutionary war, there was still some, some stuff going on between the Americans, the colonists and, and the country of Britain for years afterwards, there were still some skirmishes. There was still some stuff going on. There were still, you know, the British were still trying to rule certain areas and, and the colonists, the Americans were saying, uh, no, we beat y'all get the flip out. You know, there's still a lot of this stuff going on. So Swift who, you know, carried a, a, a high class last name. He makes a trip. He, he buries a bunch of these caches of silver. He, I think intentionally covers up this mine and where it's at. I think he intentionally covered up some entrances and all this different stuff. And he made a trip back to England to go in front of the, the role the, the royalty there in front of the ruling class to tell them, Hey, there's still some stuff going to kick off in America. If, if some stuff aren't done, well, they didn't like that. You know, the monarchy in England, they didn't they did not like that. They didn't like hearing that. So they imprisoned Swift for the next 15 years. He rotted away in a in a prison. Well, when he got out, 
He was old. He was blind. He had a couple different debilitating diseases. He made his way back to the U.S., back to American soil. But then he didn't know where any of his men were. Again, he was an old blind man that was claiming to be John Swift. I mean, who's going to help him? Like, you know. So he goes about trying to find this treasure. His No, I say treasure. Like he goes about trying to find his money, his, his silver that he had buried in his mine and all this different stuff. He's old and blind. He can't find his way around. Nobody wants to help him. So he ends up in Bean Station, Tennessee, meets a love interest down there, hands over all of his journals and stuff when his passing happens there. And that's what we've got. Now, I believe that probably some of his men, they probably went back and found some of these caches. They probably found this and that. But I don't believe they got all of them. If they did, we wouldn't find traces of what has been found along Pine Mountain and, and some of the other areas. Um, there's been stories that I've heard from a couple people in the 80s and 90s that claim that they've went into these, these caves and these tunnels along Pine Mountain and pulled out five-gallon buckets full of silver coins. Now, where this went to, I don't know. I mean, some people were trying to hide some money, I guess. But it's a really interesting story, dude, and, and we're right in the middle of it. And I think that we say all that. I don't at, – at this point, I don't think that there's a connection between the carvings and the Swift Silver Mine. I believe that's two separate mysteries. It's two separate adventures that we're in the middle of. But I will say – that the more we learn and the more that we hear and the more that we dig, I believe we're on it. I believe the locations that I have pent. Now we're talking like, dude, huh. don't forget to uh, like tie in how chief river wind ties in with all that. Oh, chief cornstalk. Oh yeah. Chief cornstalk. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chief river wind. That's that. I think that's the one I heard on blurry creatures. <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah. another big name chief though yeah uh yeah well going along with with swift's history and that's the thing like swift and his men like swift had a big family name but his men were they were nobodies you know they were just joe average joe blows that he was like hey come work for me and i'll pay you but when when swift first came over to the u.s uh well first it's believed that he did a little bit of pirating right outside of y'all's area around the carolinas on the coast but then he came on in and he settled in alexandria virginia when he settled in alexandria he joined up with general braddock's army because yeah they defeated the british and they done all that but they were always constantly at war with the natives that were here that they were trying to kick off of their own land they're kicking the natives off of their own land and saying nah this is ours now we're planting a flag so there was constant skirmishes going on between you know these these militias and these armies these settlers and and the natives so john swift joined up with general braddock's army well they were marching somewhere and uh somewhere in the ohio river valley and were swarmed by shawnee like just almost wiped out but swift being the, the intelligent man that he was he was like no 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 y'all don't have to kill me 
I'll come and, and work for you. you. I'll be a slave. You know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Swift and a few other men. That Well, there was a few that was already some settlers that were already there with the Shawnee that they were using as, you know, slave laborers. And that was eventually the men that Swift took with him to find the silver that the Shawnee and the Cherokee were already mining at the time. Anyway, Swift stays with the Shawnee, learns their ways, learns their traditions, is with them for a few years, um, starts becoming so well-liked by the Shawnee that he actually marries a Shawnee princess by the name of Elizabeth Cornstalk. Her dad was Chief Cornstalk. If you look at Chief Cornstalk, Chief Cornstalk was a Shawnee chief that lived in and operated in the Ohio River Valley. He was uh, an extremely vocal, outspoken delegate for the natives. Uh, he would go. He actually had meetings with with members of Congress and and you know members of the the U.S. government that was coming into place. A couple presidents. Like he was an extremely outspoken delegate for his people well chief cornstalk was executed in a little town in west virginia by some settlers there and it's said that when he was executed he placed a curse on the land uh placed a curse on the the people that would settle there uh because he was being wrongfully executed and this the the name of this town that he was executed in is Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where the Mothman comes from, the Silver Bridge collapse, you know, all that stuff, the UFO flaps back in the 60s. Um, so is that does that stem from Chief Cornstalk's curse? Oh, yes. Knows? I'm going Who knows? with it. Does. So even but there, there's a, a weird like, like that, didn't they? Wasn't that, that? Like, wasn't that like one of their deities or like – the the bird bird man or something well, like that. There there has been in, in Logan in Logan West Virginia. Um, there's a motel there, and it actually used to be called the Aracoma or the what was it called? The Aracoma Motel or something along those lines. But anyway, Princess Aracoma was also a princess and a daughter of Chief Cornstalk. And they were doing excavation there in downtown Logan, West Virginia. And they found a bunch of, of bodies. They found a bunch of buried native bodies, in, including, if I'm not mistaken, including Princess Aracoma. And on one of these skeletons, one of these, these bodies that was recovered or uncovered, I guess, there was a like a blue turquoise amulet necklace around one of them that had uh, a carving of what looked like a, a bird man it almost looked like a representation of a mothman and if you go back and look if you go back and look through what they believed and some of those things you know that the thunderbirds were always talked about you know they were always they worshiped these sky deities so there's a there's a connection that can be made there well fellas i'm fixing to have to call it you about to dip out i'm dipping i'm right there with you both <clears throat> i got an early start in the morning
Was there anything else, like, uh, as far as that goes that you want to close out with as far as the Swift Silver Mine, anything? No, man, again, you know, that was just one of those um, hitting the high notes on all that stuff because, honestly, if we went into all the research that we've done on it and all the connections that have been made, and it would be a, a six-hour podcast. Yeah, it's pretty. I, I, <laughs> He'd I'm have to kill us. He can't kill us everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd have to kill you for sure. But even if I'm being vague with all of it, it'd still be a six hour, it'd be a six hour conversation, probably. Oh, excuse me. Ryan said he knows some doggone meth heads that you give them about twenty five, thirty dollars. I got, I got one guy they'll, just they'll, a damn lure finding some damn silver. He's got this shit. Say don't rattlesnakes. <laughs> it don't matter. It don't matter. He'll do it. <laughs> He's an entrepreneur. He does whatever it takes to make ends meet. That's who I need. That's who I need. But no, man, it's been a wild ride so far, and I'm sure it's only going to get wilder. Um, you know, there's a lot of different connections that we've made, a lot of research going into it. You know, we're still – we have no idea what these carvings are, who done them. That's still something that we're looking at. Uh, you know, I've got more theories about the carvings and where they're at. Uh, but, of course, you know, again, you can check that out all over the place. You know, we've had we've had two- and three-hour conversations just based on this whole story, so – Again, you can just type in our name and check it out and go listen wherever you want to listen to and, and fit all the pieces together yourself. Whatever I missed on here tonight, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Yeah. It's, well. Well, dude, since they about to dip out and go to bed, I guess uh, we'll go ahead and – you got any, like, upcoming shows you want to tease everybody with, some stuff y'all might interviews, guests, or anything like that? Um, we will be on the uncomfortable podcast coming up in the next little while with, uh, Eric. He's a great dude. He came on our show not long ago. Um, I think as far as I know, that closes out, at least for now, a lot of the appearances that we've made over the last two or three months. Uh, but you know, who knows? We're constantly, we're constantly talking with, with other podcasters, other content creators, you know, again, we like to build the tribe. We like to have these weird conversations. You know, it's awesome to be able to sit down and talk to you boys and in the same conversation, listen to a lot of your weird stories and then share a lot of the stuff that we're going through. Uh, I think that's what it's all about, man. But no, I mean, you, we, uh, we drop episodes weekly on Mondays. A lot of times it's just looking into different crazy encounters or, you know, whatever guests we have coming on, what they're going through or whatever. But, uh, yeah, just come check us out. Become part of the Hill Folk community. Yeah, the Hill Folk. That's right. The host you guys got here, look, these dudes are the best. Y'all are lucky that you've latched on to this show because some of the stories, tune in, listen to these guys and the, the guests that they have, their coon hunting stories, and they're, they're weird, man. And what y'all got going on, again, I'll say it every time we talk, it's unique. What y'all got going is, is completely unique. And – we're going to have to uh, set up a time for y'all to come on our show again at some point and talk about raccoon man. Cause I'm, I'm in, I'm in for it. Yeah. All right. You just let us know when we'll come hop on. But, uh, um, I hope, you know, I hadn't, I got my, my sinuses has been about to kill me today. So hopefully I've been trying not to do much heavy mouth, like breathing through my mouth real heavy or doing a lot of, 
I'm about to do some I'm heavy snoring, bro. Some like nose, heavy nose breathing and stuff. So hopefully, ain't nobody hear a whole lot of that. But um, man, we're gonna. Uh, I guess we're just gonna go ahead and get on out of here and let them take it easy. Go to bed. Hey, good meeting you, man. Good meeting you, Dustin Ryan. It's a pleasure again, as always. Oh yeah. Be easy, bro. Be easy. Take it easy, man. All right, man. Be good. See y'all. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Cone Hunting Confidentials on the Houndstooth Podcasting Network. If you want to get in touch with me, my email address is htpodinfo at gmail.com. That is h-t-p-o-d-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you with all your coon hunting stories that include the creepy crazy and the unexplained. Until next time, keep them dogs in the woods and happy hunting, y'all.